It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Another week of wild weather all over the world. It's just the beginning. Question, did the controllers do some pre-storm planning in the case of Hurricane Adalia? Some puzzle pieces. First, from NPR. Tropical Storm Adalia. Cars may stop working mid-evacuation due to fuel contamination. The report says a potentially widespread fuel contamination at gas stations along Florida's Gulf Coast could cause car engines and power generators to stop working just as Tropical Storm Adalia approaches the area. More on Hurricane Adelia in a moment. From Reuters.com, Super Typhoon heads toward Hong Kong. China issues highest warning. Don't hear much about that on Matrix Media TV in the U.S., do we? From ABC News, why is the Panama Canal drying up and what does it mean for global shipping? Question mark. It means this. A drastic slowdown in shipping. The global predator parasite class and the climate engineers that serve them control the flow of precipitation. They control the spigot. They control the shipping and they can blame it all on nature. With that in mind, this new report from EurekaAlert.com. Rapid shifts from drought to downpour occurring more often. No surprise. Welcome to the world of climate intervention operations. From numerous sources, U.S. aquifers are running dry, posing major threat to drinking water supply. That situation is only going to get worse fast. All the while, the Canadian incinerations are raging, over 60,000 square miles and counting. From CBC Canada, this new headline, BC extending state of emergency due to wildfires as winds are expected to fan the flames. The CBC report states the North is not getting rain. What they are getting is significant winds. That's a statement from Cliff Chapman, a director with the BC Wildfire Service. From AccuWeather, heat wave to sear central U.S. over Labor Day weekend. The AccuWeather report goes on to blame, quote, Mother Nature for the scorching record temperatures for the ionosphere heater-induced high-pressure heat dome that will bake that region yet again. From accentral.com, Arizona officials say heat should be classified as a, quote, natural disaster. How convenient for the controllers and the climate engineers. From any perspective, is it reasonable or rational to consider any weather natural at this point with climate engineering operations crisscrossing our skies with 100 million barrels of oil being consumed and burned every single day 23 million tons of coal every single day, forests poisoned with toxic rain and cut down, superheating and dying seas. None of this is, quote, Mother Nature. Yet, how many on all sides of the orchestrated societal divides are desperately trying to convince themselves otherwise? And from Earth.com, geoengineering, can we dim the sun to avoid climate tipping points? Question mark. Oops. Too late. After over 75 years of officially denied climate engineering operations, the point of no return is in the rearview mirror. There's no going back. And the weather makers have managed to completely contaminate the biosphere with the fallout from their toxic operations on top of countless other forms of human-caused atmospheric contamination. On that note, this new report headline from phys.org. 
air pollution greatest global threat to human health. That's what a new benchmark study has now stated on the record. So many more bad news headlines in this broadcast. Hang on. We're in for a ride. Edward Teller, who's known as the father of the hydrogen bomb, stated this, quote, The extinction of the human race will come from its inability to emotionally comprehend the exponential function, end quote. It would appear that Teller's prediction is proving all too true. The unfolding and accelerating collapse of Earth's life support systems, further fueled by climate engineering operations, is occurring at exponential velocity. We have precious little time if we remain on the current course, and even now, this mathematically inarguable reality is completely off the radar for the vast majority who are still clinging to the notion that the industrialized, militarized model of loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute until nothing's left will somehow magically continue forever without consequence. From ScienceDirect.com, a reminder of this recently published science study titled International Risk of Food Insecurity and Mass Mortality in a Runaway Global Warming Scenario. The report states that available data, quote, establishes that high-range global warming is understudied. That's no accident. Provides new insights into runaway global warming, a.k.a. abrupt climate collapse already unfolding, and highlights the unequal distribution of potential human suffering. No. Not potential human suffering, exponentially accelerating existing human suffering, not to mention the web of life, which is already circling the drain. We are neck deep in the sixth great mass extinction. We are currently losing species at the rate of two to three hundred a day. That's plant, animal, and insect. That's 15,000 times the background rate of extinction. That's a million and a half percent of normal. How long does anybody reasonably think that that can continue. Now let's add this new report from sciencealert.com. Scientists warn one billion people on track to die from climate change. They say the carbon fuels that humanity burns today will be a death sentence for many lives tomorrow. Again, not true, but in the opposite direction of what most would like to believe. The lives lost from countless forms of unimaginably destructive human activities, including climate engineering, are unfolding now, not somewhere in the future. Some 37 countries around the world are already spiraling into chaos. That number will grow rapidly. Wait and see. From grist.org, this, the next pandemic could strike crops, not people. The Grist Report states genetic uniformity is central to modern farming. It leaves us vulnerable to plant disease breakouts. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Question, is this fact just an oversight by those that engineer such GMO frankenfoods? By the so-called science community that has played God with our food crops by genetically modifying them? Or is the fact that they can now wipe out these crops far faster if they choose because the biodiversity has been engineered away? Not to mention that GMO everything is detrimental to all of us. Crops that grow twice as fast with half the nutrition. Translation, twice as much strain on our bodies to utilize GMO crops, not to mention what else they contain. Yes, the Monsanto aluminum-resistant crops as well. Why? Could it be due to the fact that our rain 
and breathable air column is now saturated with nanoparticles of heavy metals and polymers, metals starting with aluminum, a primary element named in geoengineering patents. Here's the title of one, Stratospheric Wells Box Seating for the Reduction of Global Warming, which contains aluminum named as an element in that patent to be dispersed in skies. No, nothing to see here. Just go back to sleep. That's what they want us to do. Moving on. CNN. Florida Hurricane Idalia may hit as a catastrophic Category 4 storm. Now that we're past that event, was it actually a Cat 4 storm when it hit? Why were all the climate engineering cover-up agencies showing the same images of the same single coastal home with its roof blown off? Why were the weather script readers struggling to come up with any wind speed readings that were anywhere near a Cat 2 hurricane, let alone a 3 or 4? Let's keep going. Also from CNN. Hurricane Adalia makes landfall in Florida as a dangerous Category 3 storm, down from the original prediction of a 4, at least they're admitting that, and it's going to get a lot worse, they say, but did it? CNN continues, the center of Hurricane Adalia has slammed Florida's Big Bend at a dangerous Category 3 strength, inflicting deadly storm surge and catastrophic winds, they say, not seen in that Gulf Coast area in 125 years, and its destruction, they say, is expected to keep unfolding far beyond the landfall zone. And then, after the storm had passed, this headline from the Washington Post, Hurricane Idalia wasn't as bad as feared. Now let's rewind to this recent headline from the LA Times about Hurricane Hillary. Here it is. Quote, was Hurricane Hillary overhyped? Question mark. That was covered in a geodrinkwatch.org video that tracked the frequency transmissions that steered that storm. And we have just posted a tracking of Hurricane Adelia and the transmissions that steered that storm on the homepage of geodrinkwatch.org. Take a look, decide for yourself. Here's my point, my question. Are Matrix Media so-called weather forecasters just reading the script they've been given? Here's the answer to that question, yes. Private defense contractors Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, corporations that are neck deep in climate engineering patents and operations, do all the weather modeling for the National Weather Service and NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which are the nation's so-called weather forecasters. Why? Why do we need private defense contractors to tell our forecasters what the weather is going to be? Why do the nation's weathermen need climate engineering contractors to tell them what's coming? That answer should be self-evident. The controllers of the matrix are trying to ensure that the script matches the scheduled event, but things don't always work out that way, such as the case when governments try to play God with the weather, not in the attempt at some benevolent objective, no but rather to carry out their own agendas of total power and total control. That's what climate engineering, aka weather warfare, is all about. A core part of the power structure control agenda is the temporary and toxic surface cooldowns that chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding can and does create. This includes not only the constant engineered winter weather events like the out-of-nowhere snowmageddon that got scheduled for California late last year, in spite of the prior predictions or scheduled weather of yet more warmth and drought. What happened? The schedule was altered. 
perhaps partially because of pushback from some of the controller parasite predator class that have vested interests in the state. But the larger factor is this. By creating and sensationalizing the California snowmageddon and rainpocalypse, the vast majority of Californians and the rest of Americans were pacified into yet another year of questioning the entire climate collapse scenario. That's what controlling the flow of moisture, along with climate engineering, chemical ice nucleation, cloud seeding, cool downs, accomplishes for the controllers, confusing and dividing populations in regard to the true severity of the unfolding climate collapse until the last hour, and by doing so, maintaining business as usual and maintaining their grip on power. The constant hailstorms, not just the abundance of hail, but also the massive sizes, are also a glaring red flag of chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations being in play. Search the Engineering Winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn so much more on that subject. So the bottom line with hurricanes, flash droughts, flash firestorms that then sometimes last for months, as we're being told Canada may last until the winter rains come, Flash deluges, flash hail, flash freezes in the winter months when in recent years we've seen temperatures drop up to 80 degrees in less than 24 hours, all part of chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Did the California toxic snowmageddon and rainpocalypse scenarios magically fix the dying forests, fisheries, and farmlands? Short answer, no. How can any of it, any weather, anywhere, be considered in any way natural when global climate intervention operations are raging in our skies. Operations that are so shockingly visible that all but the clinically blind can easily see them if they only chose to rise above their power structure programming that has so far been so incredibly effective at convincing the majority that they aren't actually seeing what they're actually seeing. And there are the so-called experts that tell Populations, they're only seeing condensation trails in our skies. So-called experts like the kind I described moments ago that read weather forecasting scripts, ultimately from private defense and geoengineering contractors like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. Question, should condensation trails be laced with elements like aluminum nanoparticles? Which is exactly what geoengineeringwatch.org found when we took a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab to altitude with a top scientist and tested what heavy aircraft are emitting in our skies. We tested those samples at one of the world's most renowned research institutes, RPI in New York. If you want to see the proof, go to the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org and view our groundbreaking climate engineering documentary, The Dimming. You can see the actual testing operations I just outlined with your own eyes as they were conducted on film and on the record. Please help us to share the dimming with anyone you can. Authors of environmental and climate articles with so-called elected officials, agency officials, we need to circulate that film as fast as possible. And we made it available to the public for free the moment it was done. So how bad is our collective reality going to get and how soon? When the controllers feel the moment of critical mass of awakening is near, they will play far bigger cards than they already have, and we are perilously close to that crossroad. But nevertheless, it is our absolute obligation to march on in this battle, no matter what we face, no matter how great the odds are against us. 
You're listening to the weekly installment of the commercial-free, non-political global alert news report, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of global climate engineering operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. Geoengineering Watch shirts, hoodies, or our full-color printed climate engineering awareness materials can get the conversation going with family and friends. It can break the ice. Every day counts in this all-important battle. Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Our only goal to fully expose and halt the climate engineering assault. Moving on, next headline. Yet more confirmation of what geoengineeringwatch.org has warned about for a decade and a half. From medium.com, we have enough methane in the atmosphere to end an ice age, but we're not in an ice age. That's the headline. The report continues, the recent methane study states methane may be providing the first indication that a very large-scale end reorganization of the climate system is already underway. Translation, the climate system and protective atmospheric layers that have allowed us to live on this formerly thriving planet are collapsing. Climate intervention operations are core to the scenario we now collectively face, but are absolutely not the only factor as so many are still shockingly trying to convince themselves of. Every single form of human activity that negatively affects Earth's energy balance and life support system is a part of the problem. Industrialized, militarized, so-called civilization has laid waste to Earth in the geologic blink of an eye. Again, as stated earlier, 100 million barrels of oil burned and consumed every single day, 23 million tons, not 23 million pounds, 23 million tons of coal burned every single day. We've paved the planet, cut down the trees, poisoned the seas. Where would I stop with this description? It would take hours, if not days, to cover. And so many are so afraid to face what's coming that they are, even now, trying to convince themselves that there isn't anything wrong with the planet, that it's all just, quote, a hoax. Denial of the ongoing climate engineering reality is far beyond irrational at this point. Denial of the damage done to the planet by countless forms of industrialized, militarized insanity, which includes climate engineering, is also far beyond irrational at this point. If we can fully expose and halt climate intervention operations, then we can move on to facing countless other challenges. If the ongoing and increasing damage to the planet isn't halted, we're done in the extremely near term. That's a mathematical and statistical certainty, short of intervention from some outside source that has yet to occur. Next, from devx.com, this headline, Antarctic Ice Sheet Melting Unstoppable? Question mark. Reports as a recent study has revealed that aerosol geoengineering, the process of artificially dimming the sun by injecting aerosols into the atmosphere, might not be enough to stop the Antarctic ice sheet from melting. They continue, this study emphasizes that it is not a guaranteed solution to preventing ice sheet collapse. What a gross understatement that is. We already know after 75 plus years of covert climate engineering operations, it is pushing us from the frying pan into the fire. And there's nothing benevolent about these operations or those behind them. They are a weapon of power and control on many levels, nothing less. Next report, also from devx.com, is geoengineering a Trojan horse? Question mark. That report says geoengineering, a hypothetical technique not yet implemented, they say, is a potential solution for fighting climate change. 
They continue, it is being closely examined as specialists analyze the possible adverse effects of altering the Earth's atmosphere. Stop and consider the level of insanity that we're all drowning in, that climate engineering is a, quote, hypothetical technique not yet implemented. And nearly the whole of the global population still accepts these official blatant lies because that feels better for many than to face what they can actually see with their own eyes. The long, lingering, spreading jet trails we see in our skies aren't condensation trails. They're sprayed particulate trails from the global Manhattan Project that climate engineering is. This isn't my opinion. It's a film footage proven fact. We have up-close video of geoengineering jets, KC-10s, KC-135, C-17 Globemasters, with nozzles visible turning on and off. And this also includes commercial aircraft, which we have up-close photographs of their retrofit nozzles mounted on the wing pylons aimed into the exhaust jet stream to make this look like condensation, which it is not. I am not implicating commercial personnel or pilots. They are not directly involved, but in so many cases, their aircraft are being used. And we also have the U.S. Department of Defense leasing hundreds of commercial carrier aircraft with commercial markings. Why? Why would they do that? In addition to the film footage proof of nozzles visible turning dispersions on and off at altitude, in the groundbreaking geoengineeringwatch.org documentary, The Dimming, we took a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab to altitude, as stated earlier, sampled what the jets were dispersing, and what did we find? As already stated, climate engineering elements, starting with aluminum nanoparticles. I could go on and on, but here's my point. Of course the global controllers are and have been geoengineering for many decades. Exactly how bad does it have to get before more of the general population will summon the courage to face the ongoing toxic aerosol spraying in our skies? And how's all that atmospheric spraying of toxic elements working out for cooling things down? Overall, not so well. Here's a recent headline from thedailynews.com. Study looked at jet contrails, which as already stated, they are not. Report says some studies say contrails may contribute more to global warming than vehicle emissions or carbon dioxide. But scientists and airlines are just beginning to tackle the emerging field of radiative heating. Let's stop there. So what happened to the almost guaranteed cooling from solar radiation management? To quote again from the TDN report, contrails may contribute more to global warming than vehicle emissions or carbon dioxide. What a surprise. And again, not contrails. Sprayed climate engineering particulate dispersions. For the record, for the entire decade and a half that geoengineeringwatch.org has existed, we have stated clearly countless times that climate engineering, solar radiation management operations can and do create toxic short-term surface cooldowns at the cost of further fueling the overall planetary meltdown. So there you have it. Confirmation, which again, should come as no surprise. Stop and think about the level of insanity that climate engineering is, filling the skies with ozone layer destroying, hydrological cycle disrupting, highly toxic nanoparticle filth, and then manipulating the electrically conductive filth with devastatingly powerful microwave transmissions. What could go wrong? On that note, from the UK Guardian, this headline, too hot to handle the climate crisis report so secret that the Australian government won't even reveal the date it was completed. The report says the Australian government continues to reject calls to make even a sanitized version of the assessment public. Question, why hide 
a climate crisis report from the population? Answer, to avoid panic till the last possible moment before complete collapse, which now draws near. Next from the UK Guardian. Off the charts records. Has humanity finally broken the climate? Question mark. The short answer to that question is yes, but let's continue with this report. They state, one climate scientist stated, quote, the impacts are frighteningly more impactful than I and many climate scientists I know expected. The climate scientist quoted in the report then continues with this. That's frighteningly scary and concerning, and it really suggests that we're not as aware of what's coming as we thought we were, end quote. Climate models also appeared to miss some of the more subtle mechanisms behind summer heat waves. The issues with models meant, quote, we may be seriously underestimating the dangers ahead, end quote. That's a statement from another scientist named Cordero, who then stated, we are flying partially blind on what to expect for climate extremes, end quote. Extreme weather is smacking us in the face, the article continues, with worse to come, but a tiny window, they say, of hope remains. That was the final statement from what this report calls leading climate scientists, and they always end with that happy note, don't they? No matter how unfitting and untrue it is, because our society doesn't seem to allow otherwise. So many so-called scientists, so-called experts in so many fields of study that can't tell the truth due to deeply ingrained power structure programmed ideology or that won't tell the truth for fear of losing their paychecks and pensions, which soon won't matter on a lifeless ball of rock spinning through space. Moving on from the nationalobserver.com, Canada's relentless battle with record heat and devastating wildfires. The report states unusually high temperatures coupled with low precipitation create ideal conditions for ignition and the rapid spread of wildfires causing swift damage to communities and infrastructure. The surge in fire activity continues to cast waves of severe air pollution over major population centers. Is that part of the plan? When we have ionosphere heater-induced high-pressure heat domes, not just moving that smoke over many of these population centers, but actually pushing down in the atmosphere, holding that smoke on the surface for days and weeks and months. Just an accident? You decide. And about the firestorms, the most important question, the most important factor, isn't the source of ignition, which any arsonist with a match can carry out. What matters most is this. What is establishing the conditions for so many fires to burn with such ferocity all over the world? Search the Engineering Wildfires section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to find out. From the UK Guardian, Greece wildfire declared largest ever recorded in the European Union. It all just keeps going and getting worse by the day. From CBS News, Chicago weather alert, record-setting 120-degree heat index. CBS 2 Chief Meteorologist Albert Ramon reports as of 3 p.m., this is about a week ago, the heat index had hit 120 degrees, the hottest feels-like temperature ever recorded in Chicago history. And they're not even recording all the records, by the way. When there's an engineered record cold surface cool-down, they record 10 times more cold records over the same geographic area as they do when there's record heat. Why? Because that skews the perception of the true damage to the planet. It, It makes it appear that it isn't as hot as it actually is. All temperature 
whether everything data is being skewed. UV readings, for example, totally fictitious. It's far worse than we're being told. The official UV readings only take into account half the UVB spectrum, none of the UVC spectrum, which means the readings are completely false, which means the UV is exponentially worse than we're being told. You can feel it. Touch surfaces. Pay attention to your sense of feel, not the official narrative. From Axios.com, heat dome shatters all-time U.S. records as Europe roasts. The report then says, in a summer featuring countless heat domes and record high temperatures and heat indexes, the season appears to have saved the worst for last. Ionis for heater-induced high-pressure heat domes. The science is very well established and not disputed. Research Ionis for heater and try to understand what that weapon of mass destruction can do. From the New York Times, America is using up its groundwater like there's no tomorrow. And the groundwater that America's not using up, it's poisoning with fracking practices. What an insane endeavor by the human race. And how many are waving their pom-poms saying, drill, baby, drill. More fracking. Poisoning what's left of our groundwater. In so many ways, the human race, taken as a whole, seems hell-bent on its own near-term self-annihilation. Moving on from the Washington Post, Gulf Coast temperatures surged to highest levels ever. Gulfport, Mississippi hit 107 degrees this last weekend, the hottest temperature ever observed for a site right on the Gulf Coast anywhere in the U.S. From the U.K. Guardian, Louisiana residents told to, quote, get out now in face of sweeping wildfire. Reports as the unusual wildfire event is another consequence of the record-breaking U.S. heat wave fueled by the global climate crisis. Of course, no mention of climate engineering. They never will admit to it until the public forces them to admit to it. They say Louisiana and the surrounding region have been suffering from an extreme drought. Climate engineering, again, controlling the spigot without question. Indisputable science in that arena. We can see their operations on weather radar, satellite images. Residents are usually bracing for tropical storms and hurricanes at this time of year. Not firestorms. From the Washington Post, Louisiana sees unprecedented wildfires amid record heat and drought. Parallel headline. From the New York Post, at least two dead as unprecedented 450 wildfires scorch Louisiana. 450 wildfires in Louisiana. And no one's alarmed? The state's Agriculture and Forestry Department recorded 14 different wildfires breaking out in less than 10 minutes last Sunday, to the north and west of New Orleans. Temperatures over the weekend broke all-time records in multiple communities across Louisiana, with New Orleans International Airport recording 105 degrees on Sunday, the highest temperature ever recorded there. Geoengineering, a.k.a. weather warfare, is the greatest single factor regarding climate disruption, but again, absolutely not the only human-caused factor, and not outweighing all other factors combined. As I've stated repeatedly in so many broadcasts, the unfolding climate collapse isn't a this or that equation. It's a this and that scenario. All human-caused sources of damage to the planet and the climate are part of the problem, with climate intervention operations being at the top of the list. Why is it so critically important to stand on credible ground in this battle with an accurate assessment of what is unfolding and why of all the factors that are part of it? Because credibility is key in this battle. Without it, we have no chance of prevailing. 
You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 421, September 2nd, 2023. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free non-political Global Alert News Hour is broadcast on 27 AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email, directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of The Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. How do we reach those that still aren't looking up? Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Again, our only goal, to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. Very high quality printed materials, shocking images, a picture is worth a thousand words as the proverb goes. There's geoengineering watch hoodies and shirts, both with very high quality four color images on both sides. Image of a military tanker descending down over the planet and spraying dimming sun in the background with this caption in large red letters, stop climate engineering, investigate. And below that, geoengineeringwatch.org so that individuals can find a credible source of information to continue their investigation. We have scannable business cards and bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out as we awaken our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in. Because they're being told this is something benevolent which couldn't be further from the truth. If we could expose this issue, we would cause a shockwave around the world. If you're willing to share a picture of yourself with a Geoengineering Watch shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street downtown, send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. This is a team effort, and I want to express my deepest gratitude to all those who are steadfastly committed to this must-win fight for all that matters. Moving on, more headlines. Let's sift the truth from the deception from Yahoo News. This headline, California is now practically drought-free, but we keep wasting so much rainwater. That's the headline. Here's from the report. Despite all that drought-busting precipitation, California continues to capture only a percentage of that water. Much of the abundance in rain from Hurricane Hillary, the report says, ended up running off into the ocean, not captured or stored for future use. They continue, when California will inevitably face its next drought, it will need this water. This report is intended to confuse and divide the population into mistakenly thinking that everything's okay when it's anything but. 
A few months of toxic rain and chemically nucleated snow doesn't fix toxic soils, forests, and crops. It doesn't replenish groundwater. It doesn't magically bring dying trees back to life. The matrix paid disinformation sources want the uninformed to believe that if we could just find a way to trap all that toxic runoff, everything would be fine again. Again, which couldn't be further from the truth. And about that toxic, chemically nucleated frozen material that we're told is naturally nucleated snow, which it isn't, it tends to sublimate, which means it converts to a large degree from a solid to a gas and bypasses the liquid phase. It means there's not nearly as much runoff off that chemically nucleated material as there would have been from a naturally nucleated snow. All those points that the matrix media will never disclose. Moving on, more bad news. This from CBS. Maui wildfire survivors may face, quote, firebrain, end quote, cognitive challenges from breathing in smoke. The report continues, as survivors of the Maui wildfires work to rebuild their lives and homes, some may be faced with something now called firebrain. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Cognitive and physical issues caused by breathing in tiny particles from wildfire smoke. The report continues with this. These effects can appear weeks, months, or even years after the fires. Footnote, what else is in the smoke? And I'm not just referring to all the toxic materials that are incinerating on the ground, houses and cars, etc. But what's being sprayed above the smoke canopies and why? As I pointed out many times, geoengineeringwatch.org captured time-lapse film footage of blanket aerosol spraying directly above the Paradise fire smoke canopy. For the record, there is no known benevolent explanation for such an operation. Moving on, same theme from WSJ.com. Polluted air shortens human lifespans more than tobacco, study finds. The report then states, the Energy Policy Institute has identified air pollution as the world's top threat to public health, Again, parallel to a headline covered earlier, and is responsible for reducing average life expectancy. This should come as no surprise whatsoever, given the fact that recent air quality studies have concluded we may be inhaling up to 20 million nanoparticles in every single breath we take. How's that possible, many might ask? Because nanoparticles are so inconceivably small that up to 100,000 can fit across the width of a single human hair. Our blue skies are gone and are constantly hazy for a reason, and we're all breathing that reason. About our now completely toxic world, yet more examples of human insanity. New from the UK Guardian. They won't buy it, the headline says. Fish traders anxious after Fukushima wastewater release. The report says the release of water from Japanese nuclear power plant has already caused the price of produce from surrounding coastal areas to drop, including the fisheries. Also from the UK Guardian. Endless fallout. The Pacific Islands still facing nuclear blight 77 years on. Reports says at first glance, the aquamarine waters that surrounded the Marshall Islands seemed like paradise, but this idyllic Pacific scene hides a dark secret. It was the location of 67 nuclear detonations as part of the U.S. military tests. But it gets worse. The U.S. military also dumped its radioactive waste from the nuclear bomb testing in the U.S., they dumped it in the Marshall Islands. Did they ask anyone's permission? Does that question even deserve an answer? There were 928 large-scale nuclear weapons tests in Nevada, Utah, and Arizona during the Cold War. The most contaminated waste from these detonations was shipped to the Marshall Islands and buried in a concrete tomb. 
that's now drastically deteriorating. In 1998, the U.S. stopped providing medical care for cancer-stricken islanders in this region, leaving many in financial hardship, to say the least. The threat to the nuclear waste tomb in question is particularly acute because the islands, which lie just two meters above sea level on average, are very vulnerable to rising seas, obviously. Not surprisingly, the U.S. says it has discharged its responsibilities to the Marshall Islands. And because the dome is on Marshallese land, the onus, Washington says, is now on them to fix it. It's now the Marshallese inhabitants that absolutely had nothing to do with the looming nuclear contamination catastrophe, but are nevertheless now saddled with facing this forever contamination thanks to the U.S. government and the U.S. military. There's so many examples like this. It would take hours to cover them all. The legacy of the U.S. government and the U.S. military permanently polluting everything they touch everywhere they go. Are other governments better? Is that what I'm saying? Absolutely not. Far too many have been trained from birth to think dichotomously. It's either this or that. You're either for the blue team or the red team. The world's far more complicated than this kind of dichotomous polarized thinking allows for. Criticism of our government is not advocating for any other government. All governments are corrupt. It's a matter of scale. And with that in mind, consider that the U.S. military is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. Thus, statistically, the U.S. military is indisputably recognized as the biggest single source polluter on the planet. And no, China is not a single source polluter. It's a country. The term is single source polluter in the U.S. military is it, biggest on the planet. From Axios.com, simultaneous record heat hits multiple continents. Let's consider that headline. High pressure heat domes all over the world. Ionosphere, heater, atmospheric, manipulating transmitters all over the world. Connect the puzzle pieces. All of this on top of a world that's already spiraling into total meltdown climate engineering operations and all that it entails, which includes these frequency transmitters, are pushing us from the frying pan, so to speak, into the fire. From the Washington Post, heat records are being smashed in multiple parts of the globe. That's a parallel headline from Scientific American. There are no U.S. climate havens from heat and disaster risk. Correct. No place to hide, not from climate collapse or climate engineering. Next, from ecoshock.org, how ocean heat ends the human experiment. From the report, what do heating oceans do? Hotter oceans capture less carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. They also hold less oxygen, which, the report says, can diminish sea life. No, not can, does, including fisheries. The report continues, oceans take a long time to heat and a long time to release that heat again. Our greenhouse gas heating is guaranteed a hotter future for all our descendants for centuries, likely millennia. The report author then states, I'm not easily scared by science, but the possibility of outright extinction level catastrophe for ocean life and all life if we continue heating the planet. I don't know how we all miss this. There it is again from the so-called climate science community. They don't know how they all missed it. Geoengineeringwatch.org didn't miss it. We've trumpeted on the record for a decade and a half that the state of imploding biosphere is far worse than anything we're officially being told. We knew, and the climate science community didn't, really, only two possibilities. They are criminally ignorant or lying. Take your pick. 
From AP News, Norway to spend $6 million a year stockpiling grain, citing pandemic, war, and climate change. The report says Norway will start storing 15,000 tons of grain annually, but that won't last for long. That's only a stopgap measure at best. We have crop collapse occurring all over the globe, fisheries collapse occurring all over the globe, disintegrating ozone layer, completely contaminated everything. We have disrupted atmospheric relative humidity, which is creating vapor pressure deficit. Not enough humidity given the warming temperatures in some regions, crops and forests, which means they shut their stomata. In both cases, they don't feed, they don't absorb carbon, they don't release oxygen, they don't grow, they die. All over the world, this is happening. Climate engineering is so core to that equation. From FT.com, power starved North Korea turns to solar energy to keep the lights on. Good luck with that. A temporary band-aid at best. And all the while, solar dimming operations, that's what geoengineering is, are drastically reducing solar panel output. That's what drew me into this battle in the first place. Geoengineering is also radically reducing wind and hydropower. Do we hear any acknowledgement of that from the completely controlled so-called environmental community with their 501c3 nonprofits being their top priority? not telling the truth. From the UK Guardian, after America's summer of extreme weather, next year may well be worse, the report says. No, not maybe, will be absolutely worse. From this Guardian report, it's been a strange, cruel summer in the United States, from the dystopian orange skies above New York to the deadly emulation of a historic coastal town in Hawaii. The waning summer has been a stark demonstration of the escalating climate crisis, with experts warning that worse is to come. The record temperatures are being driven not only by global heating caused by the burning of carbon fuels, but also by the onset of El Nino. And let's not forget, climate engineering heat-trapping particles, which we all get to inhale as quickly as they settle down through the atmosphere. How fast is the planet heating statistically and mathematically based on the best data we have right now? It's heating at the thermal energy equivalent rate of seven Hiroshima bombs per second. The heat contained in seven Hiroshima bombs per second. Please don't believe me. Please research what I just said and decide for yourself. You'll find plenty of information online. Next, from BBC, this headline, China's summer of climate destruction. From that report, China's summer this year has seen both extreme heat and devastating floods. And the flooding this time around has struck areas where such weather has been unheard of, which scientists are blaming climate change for, warning that the worst is yet to come. There's a photo in this report from a farm field in China with blatant climate engineering sprayed dispersions in the sky above. In a little over a decade, the number of floods being recorded in the country has increased tenfold, ten times more. And here's a dash of Matrix Media damage control from Space.com. Contrails. The report says, what are they and how do they form? Nothing new here. The space.com report tells us the usual power structure programming of don't look up, nothing to see in the sky, just harmless condensation trails turning on and off behind jets and tainting entire skylines from horizon to horizon. Go back to sleep. That's what this kind of article is designed to do. All are needed to search for online email contacts for media sources, elected officials, agency officials, environmental organizations, farm and ranch organizations, etc. Send them a link to the dimming. Ask them why they are not investigating the issue of global climate engineering operations. 
A quick footnote, the wet bulb temperatures are increasing rapidly all over the globe. This threshold is incredibly dire. Wet bulb temperatures are a combination of heat and humidity that can eliminate the human body's ability to cool itself with sweat. Learn about it. It's only going to get worse. From yahoonews.com, Italy's glacier temperatures rise above 0 degrees C, that's 32 degrees Fahrenheit, amid Europe's new Nero heat wave. Nero is the name of the heat wave, makes it more theatrical, thus creates a bigger impression on populations. The report says as Italy faces its third heat wave of the summer, the country's alpine glaciers are struggling to regain ice amid unusually warm nights. Nights are warming twice as fast as days because the heat is not escaping back into the atmosphere. Many factors there, buildup of greenhouse gases, including methane and nitrous oxide, and heat-trapping climate engineering particles. The report says the Nero heat wave is expected to bring highs of 40 degrees C to some of Italy's cities, and it's also having a major impact on the country's mountain ranges. Over and over, record heat, record drought, record firestorms, record deluge. Next, from the UK Guardian, Southeast Australia marine heat wave forecast to be literally off the scale. We are hurling toward what's known as Canfield Ocean. If we reach that destination, game over. Not just for the oceans, for all of us. From SciTechDaily.com, how sea ice retreat is influencing marine life. Reports has increased Arctic sea ice melting allows sunlight to penetrate deeper into the ocean, affecting marine zooplankton migratory behavior. This again, is one more snapshot of the collapsing food chain around the world. And we have plankton populations plummeting around the world in so many locations. The Atlantic estimated to be a 90% decline already. If we lose the plankton, also, we are done. The marine and polar food webs are already collapsing and have been for a very long time already. For those that are willing to face a video that is beyond heartbreaking, in order to better understand What's really unfolding? Search and view this title. Heart-wrenching video, starving polar bear on iceless land. It's from National Geographic. And I've mentioned this video before in this broadcast. I can hardly bring myself to view it. But I force myself to so that I never forget the voiceless forms of life that are struggling to survive another day. And I will fight to expose their plight until my absolute last breath. At times, when I awaken in the middle of the night to ponder all that's unfolding, I remind myself of how endless the list of potential worries is for any that are even slightly awake and aware. I then resolve myself to abandon worry in any form. It's a completely non-productive practice. It accomplishes nothing while interfering with needed rest and clouding thinking while awake. We must always remember to keep our focus and the use of our efforts and energy on what is in our control not what isn't. Consider for a moment the following timeless quote. To be brave cheerily, to be patient with a glad heart, to stand the agonies of thirst with laughter and song, to walk beside death for months and never be sad. That's the spirit that makes courage worth having. Who made that statement? One who perhaps more than any other, short of our creator, was qualified to make such a statement, the early 20th century explorer Ernest Shackleton. And most have no idea who Shackleton was and what he was able to accomplish against all odds for the sake of his crew. 
Shackleton led an expedition to Antarctica in 1914. His ship was named the Endurance. He had 28 crew members. In January of 1915, the Endurance became trapped in Antarctic sea ice flows. Shackleton and his crew were marooned. For many months, Shackleton's group of hand-picked and extremely hardened men survived the brutal Antarctic conditions, enduring even the entire Antarctic winter on the ice flows, trapped. In November of 1915, the ice flows finally crushed the hull of the ship. Shackleton and his crew removed all the provisions they could before their ship, the Endurance, went down. They were able to save several small lifeboats and their sled dog team, which they had so far managed to keep alive by hunting seals on the ice pack. Shackleton and his men organized a camp on the ice flow. On December 22, 1915, Shackleton and crew, in an early celebration of Christmas Day, consumed their last provisions of substance, which they had managed to salvage from their sinking ship. It would be their last substantial meal for an incredibly long time. They lived off what little they had left and what they could hunt in the frozen wasteland of sea ice. In early April of 2016, the sea ice began to break apart. They had only one option, load everything and everyone into their three salvaged lifeboats and attempt to navigate the roughest and coldest ocean in the world to the nearest land. In mid-April of 1916, in spite of unimaginable challenges, Shackleton and crew reached one of the most remote and uninhabited outcroppings of land in the world, Elephant Island, the first land they had set foot on in 497 days. Though they had somehow managed to find land, they were still marooned in one of the most inhospitable environments in the world. On April 24, 1916, Shackleton and five crew members left Elephant Island in one of the lifeboats. They modified it as best as they could for what is considered the greatest navigational feat in human history, sailing 830 miles, that's 1,336 kilometers, across the most frigid, furious, and unforgiving ocean in the world. After almost three weeks of unimaginably harsh conditions on the Southern Ocean, Shackleton and his five crew members reached the shores of South Georgia Island, but the only habitation on the island was a whaling camp on the opposite side of the island. South Georgia Island is extremely rugged and cold with high mountains and glaciers. Shackleton and two of his crew took screws from the lifeboat and threaded them into the soles of their shoes so they could cross the mountain ice packs. After nine days of trekking, the three men from the shipwreck, the Endeavor, made it to the whaling encampment. Over the coming months, Ernest Shackleton, with borrowed ships, made three unsuccessful attempts to reach and save his remaining crew that had stayed behind on Elephant Island. Finally, in his fourth attempt on September 3, 1916, Shackleton again reached the small rock outcropping known as Elephant Island. For months, his men had survived freezing temperatures and near starvation by consuming seal meat, and though some were near death, none had yet perished. None. Against all odds, Ernest Shackleton did the impossible again and again and again, enduring the harshest imaginable conditions and challenges for over two years. He never gave up. He saved every single one of his crew. When we face ongoing challenges that seem impossible to overcome, we would do well to remember individuals like Shackleton. To be brave cheerily, to be patient with a glad heart, to stand the agonies of thirst with laughter and song, to walk beside death for months and never be sad. That's the spirit that makes courage worth having. Ernest Shackleton. We would be wise to count each and every day as our last and treat it as such. 
What will we choose to do with the time we have? If we stand together, if we make our voices heard together, we could even now do profound good even at this late hour. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific instructions on how you can help to expose the insanity and turn the tide. The proverbial sand in the hourglass is running down fast. Please make your voice heard, make every day count. Our will can never be taken, ever. Resolve yourself to stand immovable against the gathering storm. This is what our creator asks of us. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.